Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Hey, Lakeland. Well, I'm coming to you today from a totally different space, and you might be thinking, why is Josh not here, and what's he doing there, and I'll get to all that in just a moment. Um, but we are getting ready to hop into a brand new series today. Before I do, a couple things I just want to let you know about. Next week, we're going to be at Church in the Park. Uh, that'll be Flatiron Park, 10 a.m., invite your friends. It's always a great uh, environment or place to be able to invite people to church, uh, especially when they're kind of nervous to go to church. That To go to a park is a lot of times easier. And then also we're doing baptisms that morning. That's a way for people to take their faith public. If you've never done that, kind of taking your faith public through um, the obedient kind of act of baptism, we'd love to talk to you about that. Text the word baptism to the number on the screen, or you can email us at nextsteps at lakeland.church, nextsteps at lakeland.church, and we'll follow up with you. We'd love to talk to you about that. All right, today, talking about this whole deal of resetting summer, just to get us thinking about it. Uh, all of us have dealt with this at some point. You've got a piece of technology, um, and all of a sudden it starts glitching. It starts acting slow. Um, maybe you've had this where it's like you've got the spinny wheel of death, you know, on your screen, and you're like, oh, brother, you know, when is this thing going to start working? And what do we often do? What do we always tell people to do? Reset it. Restart it. I mean, that's like the standard thing, and if you reset it, it all just kind of gets going right again. And quite frankly, some of you in life, you might feel a little bit like that. You might feel like I'm a little off. I feel like my life is glitching. I feel like I got the spinny wheel of death right now over my life. And um, maybe you just need a reset. And resetting summer is just about maximizing this moment. Um, we know that at summertime, our, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, our rhythm of life changes. Um, our, our schedules change everything just is done a little bit differently. And so during this series, we just want to recognize that and maximize that because it's at this season that a lot of times we're able to go, hey, if I could do something a little bit different, now would be an easy time for me to try something a little bit different. And so um, whenever there's kind of different rhythms of life, it's just this natural opportunity to try to reset or at least revisit some of the things in our lives. And so during the series, we're going to be looking and addressing what I believe are probably the three greatest influencers over my life. And I imagine it's the same and true in your life. And it's this, your physical uh, well-being, your environment and your behaviors regarding mental, and your environment and behaviors around uh, your spiritual uh, kind of dynamics of your life. And the questions we're going to be asking is this, are there things I should be adding or removing kind of from each of these areas in my life? Like what should I be adding or removing from my physical environments or my behaviors? What should I be adding or removing from my mental environment or behaviors? What should I be adding or removing from my spiritual uh, environment or behaviors? And today we're going to be talking really practically around the physical. And today as we approach the subject of the physical, I'm talking about two things specifically. Um, first off, physically, like our bodies and our health, and, uh, and then secondly, our physical environments in which we live. And so let's start by talking about our physical bodies, okay? And that's why I'm in a gym. And I do want to give a shout out to um, uh, Lauren and Dante. They're friends of ours, and they are 
building right now. This gym, it's getting ready to open its Exodus gym. It's actually right across the street uh, from the church. And um, just thanks for the opportunity to kind of shoot this video from inside the gym, kind of first glimpse in as they're getting ready to open. And uh, I love being in a gym because when I'm in a gym, I naturally start thinking about how can I take care of myself physically. And so I want to do something. And last year, we actually did a series called Health Nut. I spent four weeks really talking about what does the Bible say about taking care of ourselves physically. Today, I'm actually going to visit that same subject for uh, just a few minutes. And um, so I want to actually revisit some of the concepts from even last year's series in Health Nut. And here's where I want to start. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Here's what Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. He said, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, so let's break this thing down a little bit. He said, Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, back in Jesus' day or in Paul's day when he was writing this, uh, when people would think about the temples, their temples were really ornate and they were beautiful. And the reason why they were is because they wanted them to be really grandiose and great to reflect the greatness of God who they were worshiping. And so in this case, when he says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, here's the question or the, the thought around it. It's about having a great space that reflects the greatness of God. And my question would be, does our temple reflect the greatness of who he is? And to make sure that we have a great space for a great God, make sure it reflects him well. And then Paul goes on to say this, you're not your own, you were bought at a price. You're bought at a price. Those are like really strong words. He's saying your whole life, not just your soul and your eternity that was paid for at the cross, but your life, even here and now, was paid for by what Jesus did for us at the cross. That was a high price he paid. Yes, for our souls, but also for what God can do and you, how he can utilize our lives here and now. And so he says, honor God with what was paid for at a high price. And then he makes this statement actually prior to it. He says this, you are not your own. Think about those, that, that statement right there. You are not your own. It's kind of fascinating. Have you ever driven anything that wasn't yours? Maybe a snowmobile, a wave runner, a motorcycle, a car. And maybe as you got in to drive that thing, you thought, okay, I got to be careful because I'm driving something that's not my own. Uh, I've got a brother-in-law and he's always had like really nice cars, some pretty fancy cars. I remember this many, many years ago. One of his first cars that he got, he had a Ford Mustang Cobra convertible. I mean, the thing was beautiful. And I remember the first time I saw it, I'm kind of gawking over it, and I'm ooing and aahing. I'm going, man, that thing's awesome. And he goes, you want to take it for a spin? And I'm thinking I'm going to hop in with him, but he throws me the keys. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm going to get to drive this thing. And so now you got to understand, he lives in the suburbs. And so we, uh, you know, we're just kind of driving around. We're pulling on out to kind of do a four lane and two lanes, you know, in each direction uh, road. It was probably a max of 30 to 35 miles per hour. And he goes, go ahead and open it up. And so I'm like, all right, this thing's a stick shift. And I just go, I drop it and we take off. I mean, we are sitting back in those seats so far. It just hits you. And I think before I knew it, we're going over hundred miles per hour. I'm not even out of third gear at this point. And I look down, I realize how fast I'm going. And so I tap the brakes to start slowing down. And my brother-in-law looks over at me and he's like, whoa, man, you're driving that thing like you own it. 
And I thought about that. I was like, well, you told me first off to open it up, and I did. And, and uh, But I was laughing. But when he made that statement, you're driving it like you're owning it, he's clearly was saying, hey, there's a way in which an owner drives a car, and then there's a way that when I hand you the keys and it's not your car that you should be driving, and apparently I was breaking the rules. And But... It, what he was really just kind of leaning into is that, hey, when you own something, yeah, you treat it one way. When you don't own something, you steward that thing, right? You steward it differently because it's not yours. Now, so Paul here, he says, your bodies, referring to your bodies, he says, you are not your own, meaning you don't own it. Are you aware that your body, what you're driving around in, isn't yours. You're driving it around something that's not yours, and we had better treat it well and steward it well. And so you might be saying, okay, why? Like, why does it matter? Here's why it matters. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 really tells us why it's important we steward well what has been given to us. It says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's what that tells me. It tells me that you are his creation. You were made to accomplish something good that he had in mind with great purpose for you to accomplish. And so here's the point. How you treat your body matters because if you don't treat it well, you may not be able to accomplish that which he prepared you to accomplish, that which he made you for. And so we want to steward our bodies well so we can serve him to accomplish that which he actually made us to accomplish. So let's think about it once again, a little bit like a car. With every car, you do maintenance, right? Some of the things that you do as far as maintenance, uh, you change the oil, you rotate the tires, um, you check the fluids, you do things like that. So the question, simple follow-up is, what are some of the simple things that we could do to maintain and steward that which we've been given, which is our bodies and our health? And so I want to give you just some real practical, simple things. I'm going to actually point us back to the same three things that I challenged us to during Health Nut. You might want to consider these same three things, like coming back to them and saying, hey, I want to reapply these to my life for the next, for the summer. And so here were the three challenges during Health Nut. It was don't drink your calories. And that's simply recognizing that a lot of times we consume a lot of calories that are just kind of frivolous calories. We drink it in the form of soda and juice, sometimes alcohol. For me, it's coffee creamer. Um, but we consume a lot of calories that we could just cut out or at least limit. So don't drink, drink your calories was one. Two uh, was to uh, don't eat anything after dinner. You just know as you're getting ready to go to sleep, your body doesn't uh, metabolizing all those or metabolize all those calories well as you're heading to bed. And so after dinner, try to limit your calories or not, uh, not eat any calories after dinner. And then the third was just get active. Now during health nut, I challenged us to start by walking one mile and then two, and then it was up to three miles a day. And, um, and for you, it might be something like going on a bike ride or um, might be hiking or might be walking. Um, it might be swimming, but get active in some way. And if I could kind of add something, if you're like, no, I don't want to go back to those same three things. Well, then maybe for this time around, consider it like this. Set a goal and set some deadlines to it. Okay, set a goal and set some deadlines to it. Now, here's what I mean by that. Let me give you some examples. Um, you could say, well, I'm going to cut out a certain number of calories every single day. If that's my normal amount. I'm going to aim to cut out a certain amount 
for my diet, maybe over the next, let's say, six weeks, something like that. Or I'm going to walk X number of miles over the next six weeks. Maybe you set a goal like 100 miles over the next six weeks. That would be just over two miles a, a day for the next six weeks. Or maybe you want to lift. So you might say, I want to lift this much weight in the, you know, by the end of my next six weeks. And so whatever it is, set a goal and set a deadline around it. Because with that deadline and with that goal, what you're going to discover is that with those things in place, you're going to say, oh, now I have to do something to hit those goals and, uh, and to accomplish it. So for example, right now, where am I? I'm actually on a long distance bike trip kind of actually across, going across Wisconsin. That's right. My, so my college buddy from, you know, obviously back in school, uh, he and a couple guys were going to do this trip and his wife contacted me and said, Hey, we'd love to surprise, uh, surprise my buddy. And we'd love for you to join him. And they're even flying in his brother as well to join us. And so we're doing this kind of extreme long distance ride. In fact, today I'm, I'm riding my bike. So we're doing a bike trip. Um, I'm riding from Milwaukee to Madison today. So pray for me because it's probably hot and we're probably head in, heading into a headwind. Um, but to accomplish that, so I knew that date and this trip was coming and to get ready, I started biking weeks ago. I started by going like three or four times a week and now at this point I'm biking every single day because I know when the deadline comes, I know that the trip is upon me and I have to prep for it. And so with the goal and with the deadline, I, I'm getting myself ready because quite frankly, I got to get my butt ready for that bicycle seat. I got to get my legs ready because everything you've got to prep to hit that goal. So set a goal and set a deadline. Um, to make it happen. Now, let me address what will happen for you physically. If you push yourself physically, it's this. The start is never fun. It's that simple. The start is never fun. I've done this so many times in different types of things that I prep for or start exercising in a new way that I've never done before. And the start is never fun. I'm obviously, I'm in a gym and um, it's kind of one of my favorite places uh, to be. But day one of working out, is never fun. It always hurts for about the first week or two weeks as you're breaking your body in or you're doing something new for the first time. But I can promise you this, in a week or two, the pain will get less. You're going to push through and you want to know what you're going to start seeing. You're going to start seeing some gains. You're going to start building momentum and you're going to start doing it easier and better. So push through because the start is never fun. The Apostle Paul even described in, in many ways the Christian walk this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Do you, do you hear all the athletic kind of tech terminology in there? He says this, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes goes into strict training. I strike a blow to my body to make it my slave. All those phrases, you want to know what they sound like to me? Not easy. 
because it's not. It's not easy. But the point is, the, Paul, the, the Apostle Paul viewed his life in such a way that he wanted to maximize it for the kingdom. He wouldn't waste any aspect of it. Just in the same way that an athlete trains, he was going to beat his body into submission so that he could utilize it for the calling that God had upon his life. And so that's kind of that first piece of physically, how are we physically treating our bodies? Maybe you need a reset there. Second aspect is this, uh, physical. It's our physical environments. Isaiah 32, verse 17. Let me read this to you and think about this in terms of the atmosphere of your home, okay? Isaiah 32, 17. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. Its effects will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Does that sound like your house? <laughs> Some of you might be like, no, that's like the opposite of my home. A place of, of peacefulness, quietness, secure, undisturbed. Like that does not sound like my home. Well, guess what? When Isaiah wrote this and really said this, he's speaking it over a nation that they would say, that's not our home either. They, they were living in a place of actually where they were oppressed by the nation in which they were living. They were longing for a home like that. And when Isaiah speaks this, he's actually prophetically declaring something that is going to be coming to the people of Israel, something that they long for. But here's what it does tell us. It tells us what God's heart is for, his, for this nation and for a people who are dwelling at peace when God is ruling over them. When God is reigning over them, like that's what it should be like. So look at it again. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Question, is your home a place of peace? Or is it a place of distraction and clutter and chaos and constantly working kind of to keep up with everything that you've got or everything you have to manage? I've, I've realized this in my life and probably you have as well, is that everything I own, I have to maintain. Like that's kind of a gimme. I have to maintain it. And the sheer sometimes quantity of, the, of our possessions can actually rob us of peace in our lives. Here's another aspect that God wants for our environment. It's this, Deuteronomy 23, 14. It says this, Since the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to defeat your enemies before you, Therefore, your camp, listen to this, must be holy, and he must not see anything indecent among you, or he will turn away from you. Now, this was in a time period when the Israelites are being led by God kind of through the desert as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. So God is leading them by a pillar of like you know, cloud by day and fire by night and his presence is with them. And notice how he describes it. He says, my presence is there. Your camp, your home cannot be indecent in any way because I'm a holy God. It speaks to his holiness. And here's my question is, do our homes, do our environments actually reflect his holy nature? Because he says he must not see anything indecent. That's a direct quote out of Deuteronomy. And would that be true of our homes? Like, do we watch things that, quite frankly, are indecent? Do we listen to things that are indecent? Do we read things that are indecent? Do we scroll on our apps and come across a lot of things that, quite frankly, are indecent? Do the things in our surrounding, in our environment, in our home, in our camp, if you will, 
Do they actually honor a holy God? Here's another reason why I'm actually in the gym and why I love to come to, to a gym is that whenever I come to a gym, I just can't help myself. I want to exercise. It's just what I want to do. It's impossible for me to walk into a gym and not exercise. And here's how I would uh, describe what happens. It's this. The environment predicts an outcome. And I could say it this way. Your environment actually predicts an outcome in your life. Like when you walk into your home, the environment will predict some of actually your behaviors and some of your thoughts. The environment already predicts an outcome for your life. It either points you toward peace, rest, toward the honor of God in your own life, or it might point you away from peace and rest and away from honoring God with your life. And so if I could give you a challenge in terms of resetting your physical environment, it's this. Ways to reset your physical environment. I want to look at it through the lens of purging because sometimes what happens is things, we, we slowly add them to our lives. We don't really think about it. And the next thing you know, they've become incorporated into our environment. They slipped in and maybe it's time for a purge. And so I want to give you a few areas where I want to just challenge you to consider purging to get a reset of your environment. So here's a few. First one, consider, consider doing a technology purge. Here's what I mean by that. It could be taking like a tech fast on a day of the week. We actually were talking about, and we kind of tried to do this just earlier in the week and we utterly failed. And it just goes to show you how hard it is because our lives are so intertwined with technology. We get so used to utilizing it kind of for everything. In fact, uh, one of my staff members, I was talking with her uh, just a few weeks ago and she was referring back to the ice storm that we had uh, back in winter and in which a lot of us lost power for a good time period, as well as some of us lost internet for a day or two. And she's said that her and her husband, they're like, we didn't even know what to do. Like, what do we do with our lives? And they're like, well, let's play a board game. But they're like, we don't even remember the rules. And, and the husband was like, well, Google it. And he's like, oh, we can't Google it. They're like, we're incompetent without the internet and without technology. And maybe you kind of feel that way. And that's probably why you need to do a tech fast or for a day of the week, maybe a whole week that you just say, we're going to get that out of our lives and kind of purge it and see how we kind of see things differently in our environment after getting rid of it. In fact, another area where we've kind of done a tech purge is even this past week, I started looking at all of our reoccurring technology kind of uh, uh, fees. I cut out over a hundred fees a month uh, just from things that I'm like, oh, that's another little tech thing that we had a monthly fee to. One was something that was like, it was $5 a month, but that was 12 years ago. And over the last 12 years, that monthly fee has gone up. And I was shocked to see it. It was up over $25 a month. And it's something I don't even really use. And so I was like, I can just get rid of it. I won't even miss it. $25 a month back. So think about where are the places that you need to purge. Another, do a clutter purge. Now, when I say that, I'm really talking about get rid of the things that unnecessarily overwhelm or clutter your life, even your spaces. I've talked about this before that um, this is like 15 years ago when we were getting ready to move here from Minnesota. Um, we actually did a massive clutter purge. 
we were coming, needing to sell our home, obviously, and coming out of the winter. And we had six young kids and tons of toys. And we were thinking, how are we going to be able to get our house ready to sell? Kind of at a moment's notice with all these toys. It wasn't uncommon for us to spend an hour cleaning toys up every single day. And so that, at that moment, we basically told our kids, we're going to box everything up and you can keep 10 toys. Now we were heading into summer and so a lot of outdoor play anyhow, but 10 toys is all you can keep out for the summer. And instead of taking one hour to clean up our house, it took us about one minute because we told our kids, go pick up your 10 toys and they were done. And it brought, you wanna know what it brought? Peace, quiet, rest. It changed our whole environment by just boxing up all the clutter we had. In fact, earlier this week, my wife was also doing kind of a clutter purge and just getting rid of things. And I realized how I've got some weird things that I have a tendency to hold on to. I was walking out to the garage and I saw this box in the garbage can and it was a box for an ice pack. And I thought, it's a nice ice pack. And I thought, oh, they must have bought a new ice pack because it's, it's one that we use almost every single day. Someone in my house uses. And, and I said it to my wife. I said, oh, you guys got a new ice pack? She goes, no, that's the box from the one you bought 10 years ago. I was like, oh. <laughs> my wife thinks I have a real problem with keeping boxes, especially Apple boxes, you know, for, for Apple products. Uh, maybe if you have a problem like me of uh, keeping boxes for way too long in case you want to return it, and then you just have all these empty boxes, um, we've got a group for that. No, seriously. But uh, I just was cracking up. I was like, oh, I have a problem. I'm keeping an ice pack box for a decade. That's a problem. But we need to purge it. Uh, a, th a third area. Do a distraction purge. And what I mean by that is get rid of the things that just take your attention away from things that matter most. So it could be apps on your phone. Do you have an app that you're like, hey, when I just want to kill time, this is the app I scroll. This is the game I play. Um, you might want to say, I want to get rid of that, not because it's all bad and that sometimes you don't just have some time to kill, but I would imagine that there is time that's actually precious that that is actually taking you away from something that's more important. You're being distracted by it. So get rid of it for a period of time and just see how your life changes. Maybe for you, after kind of COVID, a lot of us started kind of blending work and home and a lot of that started happening at the same time. And maybe you feel like I get take my emails and my phone calls kind of at any time of the day. Well, maybe you need to just recognize, no, I'm not going to take any emails or any phone calls after my work day. And so guess what I can do? I can put on a do not disturb, or I can actually set things up, you know, so that uh, I turn off all notifications so that I'm not answering any emails or phone calls in the evening. Here's another thing that we do at my house is we just, we dock all of our phones at night. So no phones are allowed kind of in bedrooms. In fact, no technology. We don't have a TV or computers or anything like that in anyone's bedroom. Um, and we just do that because we don't want there to be uh, a distraction. I know what some people are thinking. They're like, but that's my alarm clock. How will I wake up? Well, you'll never believe it. They've got these like mind-blowing inventions and they're called alarm clocks. That's right. <laughs> it's, an, it's an alarm clock. It's a clock that has an alarm to wake you up. And they cost about $9. And, and get this, I know it doesn't tell you the weather. It doesn't tell you when your text messages come in. It doesn't tell you when your emails come in. All it does is wake you up and tell you the time. But the beauty of it is you can get your phone out of your bedroom so that you're not hearing dings and bings and buzzing and all those things that kind of keep you awake or keep you distracted in life. So do a distraction purge. 
Uh, final thing to consider, and this one's probably most important, do a destruction purge. And what I mean by a destruction purge is I'm saying, get rid of the things that actually destroy your heart and your mind. God said in Deuteronomy, I don't want to see anything indecent. So get rid of those things that are indecent to a holy God. They're destructive in terms of your relationship with him and over your heart and over your mind. And so maybe it's you get rid of those movies that you like to watch or that TV show. I'm going to eliminate that TV show. That's really, I shouldn't be watching. I get rid of the, the music. I really shouldn't be listening to. I, I, I purge that. I get rid of the magazines. I get rid of the apps that are distraction, but they're also indecent. And there are things that are destructive over my heart and over my mind. And so I, I'm going to purge those things so that my environment is actually a place that's peaceful. It, it is restful. And quite frankly, it honors a holy God. In the same way that I walk into a gym and I can't help but want to work out, your environment predicts an outcome. It does. And so what is your environment? Do you walk into your home and find peace and rest in his holy presence? You know, it's summertime. It's a great time for a summer reset right now. Time to hit the reset button in a handful of areas of your life. This week, as you leave, talk with your spouse, talk with your kids, talk with your family. Talk about how you guys might approach doing a reset over yourselves, over your lives as far as physically and your health, as well as your physical environment. How could you approach it a little bit differently? And maybe it's just for a season of time, but you might discover some things that really unlock uh, a, a new sense of freedom and hope and rest and all these sweet things in your walk with God that will be totally worth it. So what do you need to add? What do you need to remove in your life as far as summer reset around the physical? Why don't you all stand? Come on, stand on up, stand on up and let me pray for you as we get ready to go here today. And after I'm done praying, I just want to say this. There's always prayer partners that will be available at the front uh, of our auditorium who would love to pray with you if you have anything heavy on your heart. They're also available online. If you want to give, um, we are just so grateful for the way that you support the ministries here at Lakeland. You can give in boxes in the back or online. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thanks so much for our bodies and our lives and our environments, our homes. And Lord, we just want to steward them well. And so, Lord, I pray that you just really kind of hit us in ways that we need to be hit, reset us in ways that we need to be reset from a physical perspective and an environment perspective. What are we allowing in our lives? Lord, I just pray that there would be conviction where there needs to be conviction, that there would be insight where there needs to be insight, that you would like really unlock something for us. So we would say, oh, if I did this, I could see new breakthrough in my walk with you, a great reset in terms of how uh, my physical environment and my health actually propels me into a closer walk with you. We want to honor you physically with our bodies, with our environments. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Pray for me today. I'm biking. We'll see you guys next week in the park. Hey Lakeland, thank you so much for joining us online and in VR. Don't forget what Josh said, that if you are in need of prayer, there are prayer partners online. Well, this guy here, this is my son Dylan, and he was our drummer today. Yep. <laughs> I think he did a great job. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> well, Dylan, uh, could you tell all of us what your favorite part of serving on the worship team is? Yeah, um, I enjoy being with other people that 
spread God's word, and I find that very inspiring to go and make disciples. So it's just a good community to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And as a mom, I love that. You're hanging out with good people. Yep. <laughs> Keep it up. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, also, I want to see if Dylan was listening to today's message. I'm going to challenge him. Dylan, yes. what was a takeaway from today's message that you liked? Um, giving, like, my body, soul, and mind up for what God has in plan for me. So, like, for example, if that's, you know, leading music someday, uh, giving it my whole heart and, you know, trying to make... Ultimately, yeah. try to make disciples with it and yeah. spread God's word. We're here for a purpose, right? Yeah. We're um, followers of Jesus, and we want to make followers of Jesus, mm -hmm. and um, that our body's not our own, and we want to serve God and honor God with our bodies and how He created us. And I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, he also mentioned um, this thing, uh, technology purge. Is that something you think you could do? Oh yeah. Ooh, okay, I'm going to hold him to that. No, I'm just <laughs> and kidding. Maybe after church we'll talk about a technology purge. Online family, I would love to challenge you. What is something that you could purge from your life to honor God? Don't forget, next week is Church in the Park and baptisms. What an amazing day it's going to be. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.